0: Hi, my name is Jim. I'm a compulsive overeater in a lot of other things. And I'm very grateful to Overeaters Anonymous for taking over 100 pounds off my body and keeping it off now for 40 years. And that is a miracle because I couldn't stick to a diet for a day when I came into this program. And so to have taken the excess weight off and kept it off all this time is nothing more than miraculous. I am a walking miracle. You know, and indeed, you know, I was a fat kid. I went through all the crap you go through when you're a fat kid in our society. I only have 20 minutes, not 20 hours to go into all that. And I read all those horrible statistics which say that fat children become fat adults. Fat adults never keep the weight off. And so I knew I was hopeless. And I tried all kinds of different things, uh, mostly diet and exercise schemes. And none of them cured me because none of them dealt with my underlying eating disorder. And of course, the problem is nobody has a cure for my eating disorder yet. I mean, the medical profession has tried all kinds of things with people like us over the years. God bless them. You know, they used to think it was a thyroid deficiency. That didn't cure us. Then uh, they thought it was a methamphetamine deficiency. Mm, that didn't cure us either. And then it was the antidepressant of the month. And now they've got some new medications out there that uh, look actually rather promising. But for an eating disorder as powerful as mine that would pack over 100 pounds on my body when I knew it was killing me, that's got to be an awfully powerful drug for somebody like me. So uh, anyways, maybe someday they'll get it right. You know, they seem to be getting closer. But you know what? I can't afford to wait. Now, I've got a life threatening eating disorder that is going to could easily kill me. And I need something that's going to keep me from killing myself with my fork one day at a time. And that's what this program does it's a treatment, it's not a cure, but it somehow kept me from self destructing. And that is the miracle. And as I mentioned, I tried a bunch of different stuff. If any of them had worked, I wouldn't be here. If any of those things had worked, none of us would be here, you know. And uh, after one of my last geographic cures, I found myself living alone in San Francisco. Um, And my days consisted of getting up, eating junk food, going off to work. And then at 4.59, I would bail out of the office, run to the drugstore across the street, And it was aptly named a drugstore because everybody standing in line at five o'clock was getting their fix, you know, alcohol, tobacco, junk food. And I get, you know, pounder bags of various types of junk food, you know, and take it home, you know, and tell myself, Oh, I'll just have a little bit and I'll save the rest for later. And then I'll have a nice healthy meal later. Yeah. Right. You know, when I, you know, When I got to the place where I lived alone, I'd make sure the curtains were closed, lest the neighbors I didn't know across the street would get out their binoculars and see that, whoa, Jim is eating junk food. No wonder he's so fat. As if they couldn't tell by looking at me with my 46-inch waist what I did with food. But oh, hey, man. I, I only looked at myself in the mirror from the neck up, and I thought my beard covered up my double chin really well. What a handsome guy. Suddenly, occasionally, you know, I'd catch a glimpse of myself in a a window reflection and go, who's that really fat guy? Because I'm also short. And, you know, so there's a reason why, among many other things, they called me beach ball in high school. And so, anyhow, um, and I was having nights where the chest pains were hitting. I didn't even know if I was going to wake up the next day. So I made out my will. That's where this disease brought me, at the age of 22. But i remembered something. Uh, Those advice columnists, uh, Dear Abby and Ann Landers, every once in a while they would say, go to OA. And so, having basically failed at everything else, I thought I would give it a try. And the way I got abstinent, so I got a sponsor who told me to go to 90 Overeaters Anonymous meetings in 90 days. Now, I didn't quite make 90 and 90. I'm not perfect. I've never met a perfect person in this program. But I started going to meetings just about every day. And this was in the days before Zoom, so that meant face-to-face. Fortunately, I lived in a city with a lot of good meetings, found out where the meetings were, found out the ones I liked, found out the one that I, ones that I didn't like quite as much. And... <clears throat> I made this conscious effort to reverse engineer what I saw working for other people. I'd walk up to people and say, what do you eat? What do you pray to? How do you meditate? What vitamins do you take? What's your mantra? I mean, trying to find the magical secret that the people who had what I wanted were doing. And I thought there had to be some magical secret. And then one day I was sitting at a plain average random lunchtime meeting. Nothing special about it. Nothing magical was said. But as I was looking around the room, I noticed there were a lot of people who had what I wanted. And there were a lot of people who hadn't gotten it yet. And then suddenly the light bulb went on. The people who had what I wanted were following directions. They were doing all the things that we talk about at the beginning of meetings, you know, those living those 12 steps, you know, using those tools of recovery, which are what we use to live the steps. Ah, yeah, you know, all those suggestions like call your sponsor every day and commit your food and, you know, pray, meditate, you know, read the AA Big Book, you know, they were basically doing all that stuff. And, of course, that included working and living the 12 steps. And the people who hadn't gotten it yet, well, they were taking what they needed, or rather not taking what they needed and just leaving too much of it. And, you know, there were one or more of the tools they weren't using, one or more of the steps they refused to do. Ah, if you want it to work, try following directions. What a concept. And, you know, I got abstinent on a a basic four food plan. Because my mother was a home ec teacher, she taught cooking for a living. Not that I learned anything from her, but uh, I knew there were these four food groups. Of course, to me, it was sugar, salt, grease, and starch. And hmm, that uh, you know, so when it you know came to pick a food plan out of the dignity choice pamphlet, I chose the basic four because, and it helped me, you know, in my withdrawal from sugar. 'Cause I knew I was a sugar addict. I mean, oh boy. You know, when they said, Yeah, we're food addicts here, I thought, yeah, tell me about it. That um but it was really touch and go. You know, I was calling in my food to my sponsor, but I was in diet mode, and you know, I just knew that, you know, this diet wasn't gonna last forever. That, you know, sooner or later, the you know, same thing that happened to all my other diets. You know, insanity is doing this same thing over and over again, expecting different results. And I was still experiencing a lot of cravings. And then one day at a meeting, I heard the speaker get up and share, who was a hundred pounder. And she talked about the fact that she didn't eat any grains or starches. Wow. How insane. I mean, somebody not eating a whole level of the pyramid scheme. Huh? The, um, but she had what I wanted. And she talked about how what our body does is you know it takes those starches, you know, they're technically they're called polysaccharides, poly means many, saccharides means sugars, and they're basically many sugars linked together and our body when it digests it just chops them up. Huh. So I decided to give that ultra low carb food plan a try. And lo and behold, my cravings went away. Now, why my body responds to those foods that way, I don't know. That, uh, oh, I can I can come up with stories. You know, years later, I was actually you know, diagnosed by a doctor as being allergic to corn and wheat products. Turns out I actually do have one of the genes for celiac. I was never diagnosed with celiac because nobody ever heard of it when I, you know, gave up the grains and starches. You know, Maybe that's it. Who knows? But I just discovered the hard way that it was a lot easier for me to eat properly when I didn't eat things like bread, rice, potatoes, corn, wheat, millet. Huh. Why my body responds that way? I don't know. It just does. But, you know, there's, you know, know, and once I switched to the ultra low carb food plan, it's like, wow. As I was looking at my food, I was going, wow, this is sustainable. You know, I could stand to eat this way for a long time. So, you now it took me you know, about a year to lose 110 pounds, and when I hit maintenance, I really had no idea of, you know, what I could or could not eat, and you know, because I always thought that when I lost the weight, that I'd be a six-foot-tall millionaire, that I'd have a body that looked like an Olympic swimmer with the gold medals, and that. You know, the day I hit Goal away, that there'd be this earthquake, that a chorus of angels would sing Alleluia, that uh, the Dallas cheerleaders would drive up in a big limousine and drop bags of gold coins on my doorstep. You know, I thought that my life would be perfect, and that I'd never ever have any other problems once I lost the weight, because I'd never been thin before in my life. And on the day I hit Goal away, nothing happened. No earthquakes, no choirs of angels. Still had to work for a living. The security guards at work were just as tired and grumpy looking, you know, early in the morning as they always were. The uh, My girlfriend at the time wasn't even talking to me. And I discovered that, yeah, you know, men, people have challenges in their life as well. And I really, really didn't even know what to eat. But fortunately, they taught me in this program that when you hit maintenance, it's not more food, it's more program. And I was still calling in my food to my sponsor, still do, 42 years later, because it works. And, <clears throat> and I did all kinds of experimentation for about a year and a half. Hmm, what happens if I you know add this grain back into my food plan? Hmm, the cravings came back. Bummer. I don't like fighting the cravings. So I had to let go of those things all over again. And I had to work the steps one thing I noticed while I was going to a ton of meetings is the people who had what I wanted used all twelve steps of the Overeaters Anonymous program. And that includes the ten steps that we copied verbatim from AA, and the two steps that are extraordinarily different in the OA program. So in step one, we admit powerlessness over food. And in step twelve, we carry the message to other compulsive overeaters. I mean I've never met a substance I couldn't abuse. I I qualify for many 12-step programs. But to go to another program and hear somebody talk about, you know, years and years of sobriety, and then when they go to split a cake afterwards, I want to join them. It doesn't really do a lot for my food. So in order to recover from overeating, I need to work with other overeaters. You know, that's really the basis of all of these 12-step programs. If you look at the history of AA, both Bill W. and Dr. Bob had tried all kinds of different things to deal with their drinking. They tried therapy, they tried religion, they tried all kinds of stuff. Didn't work. It wasn't until they put their faith into action, through helping another drunk, that they got to stay sober. There's a great story told about Bill W. who knows might even be true that. Uh, One day, his wife Lois came home from the department store where she was working to support the family. Bill was newly sober, and he'd had this idea that if he worked with other drunks, it would help him stay sober. But the first couple guys he worked with just weren't getting it. And he goes to Lois, Lois, it's not working. And Lois looks at him and says, Bill, it is working. You're sober. And that's the key. It doesn't matter whether the other people get it or not. What matters is we reach out, you yeah. know, and you'll notice four out of the nine tools of recovery really talk about working with other overreaders. It's why we go to meetings. It's why we do service. It's why we sponsor people or have a sponsor. It's why we make phone calls, all means of interacting with other industrial strength sickos like us. And why, it, why does it work? Well, for me, that's really the fundamental spirituality of this program. It's working with others. You know, faith without works is dead, as it says in the AA Big Book. And, you know, that's true. You know, the spirituality of this program is not, you know, climbing by yourself to a mountaintop and chanting until the fork levitates into the sky. No, it's going out and helping somebody else. The best way to stay out of the refrigerator is to help somebody else out of the refrigerator, and one of the things that's real important to me are hundred pounders meetings. In uh, December nineteen eighty one, I attended uh, the first San Francisco hundred pounders meetings. I don't know if there were any more before then, but it was really important to me because you know when you've carried that much extra weight around, it's different. You know, I know what it's like to have to stop in the big and tall shops. You know, I know what it's like to face, you know, job discrimination, social ostracism, and everything else. I know what it's like to break a chair. I know what it's like to have my gut hit the steering wheel in the car. I know what it's like to have those chest pains hit and not know if I'm gonna wake up the next day. I know what it's like to have stretch marks stretching all over my body. Yeah. Been there, done that, got the double extra large t shirt to show for me. That now, when somebody's never been fat tries to tell me something, I usually want to tell them where to go. But when somebody's carried around my kind of weight says, "Don't eat, no matter what," it's like, "Wow, they've been where I've and they know something." That's profound. That, uh, and so that's why uh, you know I founded a bunch or co-founded a bunch of. Uh, Hundred Pounders meetings over the years. Founded one in Oakland, California; Boston, Massachusetts; Arlington, Virginia, and uh, also these uh, telephone meetings. That uh, you know, because I need to be around people like me. Now, I'm not saying people who aren't hundred Pounders don't belong in way. I'm not saying that uh, they don't have eating disorders. No, the uh, you know some of them are uh, you know much much sicker than me. They certainly belong here, but it might be my own pathology that uh, might be my own pathology that actually says that actually says hey um i pay more attention to people whose stories are like mine that uh and so that's that's where, why i need meetings like this one um in order to recover um and I'm so grateful we have these seven nights a week uh, we've got zoom hundred pounders meetings every day of the week now so it's the um You know, it allows me to basically be with my tribe. You know, the other people who've been where I've been around the food. uh, Because when we work with others, we see what works for other people like us. And when we see people make mistakes, they show us what mistakes to avoid. You know, and, you know, people who've been where I've been, you know, and there are plenty of people in this program who have lost more than I've ever weighed. They show me that it is possible to live life one day at a time with a lethal, life-threatening eating disorder like mine without self-destructing in the food. You know, that gives me hope, and it also shows me how to do it, It shows me what mistakes to avoid, and also gives me the support I need, the encouragement that I need, you know, because normal people just really don't know what it's like. uh, So I'm almost out of time here. And I'll, I'll wrap up with basically how I work my program on a daily basis, that uh, I get up on my knees in the morning and I ask God for help, take a few moments of quiet time where I try to meditate, although usually the scrolls in my head start planning the day. Uh, I have a sponsor that I call just about every day. I sponsor several people that I expect to hear from on a daily basis You because know, I need – you know well, I've got a short attention span, so my style of sponsorship is – you know, short calls, you know, but lots of them. Um, I do service at meetings. I go to a lot of meetings. I feel like I'm leaving out stuff, but I'm you know, basically out of time here. You know, over the years, I've, uh, you know, worked uh, the 12 steps to the best of my knowledge, best of my ability several times through. But you know what? I am not cured. You know, we don't have any uh, cures here in this program. It's just a treatment. You know, it's kind of like dialysis for a kidney patient. It removes the toxins from their blood, but it doesn't, you know, cure the kidney disease. Well, the, um, this program removes the spiritual toxins from my body, and it keeps me from killing myself with my fork. But, you know, I'm not cured. And, you know, it's, as the saying goes, no matter how long you've been driving down the road, you're always just as close to the ditch. And I better not forget that. You know, the day that I forget that I am a compulsive overeater it's the day my relapse will begin, and I don't want to go there. So, anyways, and uh, with that, I'll pass and turn it back over to the leader.